from the H-Bomb Boxing Studios in beautiful downtown Forest Hill, Maryland. This is episode 20 of the H-Bomb Boxing Report. Boxing fans around the world, welcome in once again. Episode 20, H-Bomb Boxing Report coming at you. I am the host, Marty H. So happy that you could join me for episode 20. And of course, on the heels of episode 19, which was our pound for pound episode. And we're going to follow that up this week with uh, some more boxing talk. I mean, this is the place for... This is the place for boxing talk. This is the we talk about the past, the present, the future in the sport of boxing. And if you're a big time boxing fan, I, I know you're gonna like it. And if you're not really a big time boxing fan, I think you're gonna like it. But either way, I hope you like it. And uh, so let's let's jump right into it. And actually I, I do want to start out by taking a quick look back at episode nineteen. There were a couple of things that I need to clear up or at least make right. So let me start by saying this. It was late at night when that show was recorded. And I have to admit, I wasn't as mentally sharp as I would have liked to have been. And one of the things we talked about was Fight Club. And that's, uh, if you if you weren't around for episode 19, Fight Club is uh, what we call, it's a, it's a group of friends of, of mine and myself. We like to get together. Once a year, hopefully. Hopefully we get together once a year. And we go out to one of the big time fights. We go, we've been Atlantic City, uh, New York, Vegas, whatnot. And we try to do that once a year. And I was chronicling, I was going through all the, the trips that we went on. And one of the ones that I totally missed, and I, I was excoriated for, for leaving this one out, but in... Uh, November 2016, we went to Vegas for the first Kovalev-Ward fight, and that was a, that was a big-time fight there. We had a great time. It was a quick trip to go from East Coast to Vegas and back in three days. That's, that's a pretty quick trip. Um, of course, I thought Kovalev should have been declared the winner. He wasn't. Uh, Ward uh, scored the knockout in the fight after that. Ward sailed off into the sunset undefeated, Hall of Famer, well-deserved, great fighter. Kovalev, that was sort of the beginning of his, I don't want to say his end because he's still out there, but that was sort of the, the beginning of his slide right there. And uh, n- nothing too significant about that. I just wanted to mention that I did leave it out last week because there were some people who had some choice words for me that I that I forgot that, so... Hopefully I'm back in the good graces now. I've, I've covered the Kovalev Ward fight in Vegas, so it was a good was a good fight. It was a good time. It's always a good time going out and seeing the fights. One of the other things that I I, I mentioned last week, uh, at one point I was talking about the three belt light heavyweight champion Arthur Beterbiev. And when I was mentioning where he is from, I sort of blanked on the right answer. Now, of course, it's Chechnya. I knew it was Chechnya. 
I'm very aware that it's Chechnya, but somehow I botched it. So Chechnya, of course, is part of Russia. And as we all know, Russia's not winning any popularity contests uh, right now, whether you're a politician or a journalist, a tourist or, or an athlete. You know, Russia's not the place you can find a lot of positivity um, on the world stage. Now, Better Biev, he is an absolute beast in the ring. Not only is he undefeated, he's an undefeated champion, but he's also he also has a 100% knockout ratio. And he's, he's never had to stand in the middle of the ring after a fight and wait nervously to hear the opinions of three judges like most fighters have. Now, last time we saw Better Biev, he was blasting out Joe Smith in two rounds, collecting another light heavyweight belt. Like I say, he's got three belts. So he took one of those belts from, from Joe Smith back in June. And Better Biev, currently, currently he's a Canadian citizen. Okay, He makes his home in Montreal. Now, many, many of the Russian athletes have taken to re- relocating to other countries to avoid being banned from competing in, in certain sports. Now, in Better BF's case, he's been living in Canada for almost 15 years now, so I'm not going to say he associates himself with a country other than Russia to avoid scrutiny. Um, but I do find what I do find most troubling in this situation, this Better BF situation, is his close association with the Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov. Now, this guy's bad to the bone. I, I mentioned him way back in one of the earlier episodes of the H-Bomb Boxing Report. It might have been the f- first episode. I'm not sure. I think Scotty Krause was with me, so it was probably the first episode. And I mentioned back then that that Kadyrov, he's he's part of uh, Vladimir Putin's inner circle. You know, he's, he's committed troops to assist Russia as part of the invasion of Ukraine. But even before that, Kadyrov was a was a menace and he's a strict Islamist who's been known to assault, uh, assault, arrest, torture, and even kill those who oppose him or who are members of any category of people that he sees as inferior. Now, journalists have disappeared, homosexuals have been murdered, people suspected of challenging his authority have been rounded up, tortured, held without trial, etc. And, you know, he speaks openly about his desire to eliminate Jews and he's made ominous threats directed toward uh, toward the West and Western society. So he's the textbook definition of a murderous tyrant. He's a cold-blooded, iron-fisted strongman who leaves no room for compromise. Now, right about now, you're probably saying, well, what's all this geopolitical analysis? I thought this was a boxing show. Well, this is a guy who Arthur Beterbiev is very friendly with. So to dig a little deeper here, I wanted to get into this a little bit. In 2015, Kadyrov founded the uh, Akhmat Fight Club, which has divisions for boxing as well as MMA. Akhmat, by the way, is was the name of uh, Ramzan Kadyrov's father was Akhmat Kadyrov, and he was a former uh, leader of Chechnya. They had a they had the Chechen War back in the 90s. And he was uh, uh, sort of a, a leader in that. He was a military sort of guy. And then when they had, and that was more f- for uh, like national, like, uh, actually, why am I blanking on this one? 
it was more about nationalism at the time. Then they had a second Chechen war, and Kadyrov switched sides, and Akhmat Kadyrov switched sides and was more on the pro-Russian side of things. So after a lot of unsuccessful uh, assassination attempts, they were finally successful. There was a a parade in a stadium and uh, someone had planted a mine and uh, Akhmat Kadyrov was killed. A lot of people were killed in, in this explosion by this landmine. And at that point, Ramzan Kadyrov, who was the son, took over, basically became the president or the leader of Chechnya. And Better Biev is a member of this fight club. And because of his accomplishments in the ring, he's been rewarded by Ramzan Kadyrov with the title of Honorary City of Grozny, which apparently is a very high honor, and was also given a Mercedes-Benz by Kadyrov, which is not too shabby. And, well, Better Biev was born in Chechnya, and he represented Russia at the 2012 Olympic Games in London. Now, he didn't medal there, but shortly after that, he he relocated permanently to Canada to pursue his boxing career. But his association with Kadyrov has continued. He downplays it for the most part, but he's never denounced Kadyrov. And he's been seen in several photos with the Chechen leader. And he's he went back after his, his win over Joe Smith back in June. He went home. They had a big parade for him. And, you know, all, all these photographs were taken. And so you, you get the picture. Now, the World Boxing Council, or the WBC, now you know them, they're the, the ones with the fancy green belt. They have sanctions against Russian athletes competing in their boxing events in light of the situation in Ukraine, and I'm, which I'm not for, by the way. I'm not for the sanctioning of athletes to, to keep them from competing, but that's, that's neither here nor there. So WBC seems to be okay with better be of competing in the ring under the guise of his Canadian, Canadian citizenship. And I'm sure it has nothing to do with the sanctioning fees associated with Better BF's light heavyweight belts, or a belt in this case with WBC. So, and also Better BF's promoter Bob Arum of Top Rank, he says Better BF has nothing to do with Russia. You you gotta love Bob Arum, 90 years old, still out there trying to do whatever's necessary to shield for his guys. So go get him, Bob. But as for Better BF, he was tentatively scheduled to fight uh, England's. Anthony Yard in London on October 29th, but Better Beev's on the shelf right now with an injury that'll keep him out of action more than likely until at least 2023. And Yard is the WBO mandatory challenger, so as far as that goes, it remains to be seen if Yard will take a fight in the meantime or maybe just wait it out and not risk losing what is sure to be his biggest career payday. Now, there's no really... No, there's really no guarantee of anything in this business, especially in this situation, because better be if 37 years old. Uh, he hasn't shown any signs of, of slowing down. He's, he's a beast. He's knocked everybody out he's ever been in the ring with, but um, as a professional. But not only that, uh, 
the only, there's there's one light heavyweight belt that he doesn't have, and of course that belongs to the WBA champion Dimitri Bivol. Now he's the one, of course, who just scored the the big upset victory over Canelo Alvarez a few months back. Bivol will be taking on former super middleweight champion Zerto Ramirez, by the way, who's undefeated in forty some fights, and that should be a really good fight. Talking about Bivol versus Ramirez. Now, like I said before, he's a former super middleweight champion, talking about Ramirez. And Ramirez is really good. But like I've said in the past, he, he couldn't draw flies if he was fighting a pile of manure. And Bivol, who I've always really been high on Bivol, but he doesn't necessarily have the most fan-friendly style himself. So that one may be more inclined to the interest of the hardcore boxing fans like me and hopefully you. But there's a lot of moving parts to this sport. You know, there always is. The light heavyweight division is no exception. That Bivol Ramirez fight, by the way, is slated for November 5th on DAZN. Now, when I first heard that it announced that uh, a few weeks ago when they announced that this fight was happening between Bivol and Ramirez, I thought to myself, this might be a good fight to attend for a fight club. But then I saw it was taking place in Abu Dhabi. So maybe we'll wait for something a little closer to home. Now, before I put this better BF Kadyrov thing to bed, I just want to mention that the person who probably has the best story to tell about this, because it's a first-hand story, is Big Daddy, Lucas Brown. Lucas Brown had to go to Chechnya way back in 2016 to face Ruslan Shagaev in one of the craziest situations you'll ever see in a boxing ring or at a boxing event. And that says a lot when you're talking about crazy things in boxing. But Brown won the fight to claim the WBA title only to be stripped after for a drug violation that was later he was later cleared of. And it was clearly a setup. Kadyrov, Ramzan Kadyrov was at ringside. They had a table set up uh, with like a feast like right next to the ring. And it was bizarre. So so much happened before, during, and after this match that I'm not going to get into it now, but I definitely want to get into it in the future. And maybe I should, maybe I should invite Big Daddy on the H-Bomb Boxing Report to let him tell his side of the story and and tell some of the, the stories about his trip over there to Chechnya. Now, I would love that, but are, are you listening, Hayden, right? Hayden's one of the, or Hayden is the official fighter of the H-Bomb Boxing Report. He's a personal friend of Big Daddy's. He's also been a sparring partner with him. So I'm putting it out there right now. Hayden, pick up the phone. And tell Lucas Brown he's requested to appear uh, in the near future, hopefully, as a guest on the program, because this story has to be told. That would make a classic episode for sure. Now, also, if you want a detailed account of Kadyrov and this whole situation with him, it's it's a few years old, but it's really good. It's worth looking up. It's the HBO Real Sports. HBO Real Sports is a documentary show. I don't know if it's still on or not. When you know when HBO got out of the boxing business, I got out of the HBO business. I don't even have HBO anymore, but it's available through an internet search. Just put in HBO Real Sports, and you can put in Ramzan Kadyrov or 
Chechen leader or something like that, and it'll it'll come right up. It's really a good it's really a good piece. It's about twenty minutes long, and it's it's, uh, it's really interesting. It kind of goes a little deeper into it than I have, and uh, really shed some light on this guy. So. Moving right along, let's see what we got here. It's time to talk a little bit about what just happened and what's about to happen. It's a little segment I like to call, What Just Happened and What's About to Happen. Now, the big fight that's taken place since we last shared time together was the heavyweight rematch between the WBO, WBA, and IBF champion Alexander Usyk and Anthony AJ, or Anthony Joshua. And we're going to get into that in a bit. But first, let's go back and cover some ground here since we've, we've been off. I, I always want to say off the air, but it, we've been off the podcast waves here for a few weeks. So let's go back to July 30th. Uh, Danny Garcia scored a majority decision over Jose Benavidez Jr. Of course, Jose Benavidez is the older brother of David Benavidez, who's undefeated super middleweight. And good fight, not a great fight. I mean, Garcia was clearly the winner. I'm not sure what the the one judge scored at a draw. I'm not sure what that judge was watching. Garcia made his uh, debut at 154. Of course, he he came up at 140, moved up to 147, where he's been for the the past few years. And this was his first fight, moving up to 154. Not sure what his future plans are. Not sure. What types of opponents are really out there for Danny Garcia? Um, he looked pretty good. I don't have anything bad to say about him or the fight itself. It was it was an okay fight. I, I think Garcia clearly was the winner. On August 6th in Belfast, Ireland, uh, Michael Conlon. Of course, Michael Conlon's coming off the 12th round knockout loss against Lee Wood from a few months back. And he bounced back with a unanimous decision victory over Miguel Mariaga. Mariaga looks like he's, uh, to, to take a phrase from my friend Rick Glazer, Mariaga looks like he's on the back nine. And uh, Conlon looked pretty good. Got the victory. So uh, he's he bounced back. Like I said, he was it was a really good fight with Lee Wood. And Conlon was knocked out in the very last round. So this was a bounce back fight for him. And looks like he got himself back on track. Also on August 6th, Virgil Ortiz Jr. scored a TKO in the ninth round over Michael McKinson. Now Virgil Ortiz, he's a stud. He's a big-time player in the welterweight division. He's only 24 years old. Looks great. And hopefully we we see him in, in bigger fights coming up. Uh, in in his next fight, hopefully. I mean, Michael McKinson's not a bad fighter, but just didn't have enough power to get the respect of Ortiz. So Ortiz eventually walked through and scored the TKO victory in the ninth round. On the undercard of that Ortiz and, and McKinson fight was a, a mild upset. Blair the Flair Cobbs scored a unanimous decision. After a couple of knockdowns, he he scored a unanimous decision victory over Mighty Mo, Maurice Hooker. Hooker looked really bad, and 
I'm not sure what the future or even if there is a future for Maurice Hooker. If that's the best he can do, um, it might be time for him to walk away or, or, or at least make some changes because he did not look good at all. And Hooker's a guy that always puts his best foot forward is in usually exciting fights. This one, uh, he was beaten down by Cobbs, who's uh, more style than substance, I guess. Um, you know, if you can't beat the Blair Cobbs of the world, no no, no disrespect to Cobbs. I mean, he's, he's a decent fighter. He's entertaining. But, you know, Hooker was was favored in this fight, and for good reason. He's, he's you know, coming in, he, he's the better fighter, but he didn't prove it on the night, so... Congrats to Cobbs, and back to the drawing board for Hooker, maybe. We'll see. August 13th was the return of Tiafimo Lopez, and he scored a seventh-round TKO over Pedro Campa. Lopez has moved up from lightweight to 140 pounds, junior welterweight. After the fight, of course, he's calling out all the top dogs. Josh Taylor, Regis Progray, and whoever else. He's calling them all out. There's so many great fighters in and around 130, 37, 40. I mean, 130, 135, 140. It'd be nice if they could just get in there with each other a little more than they do. And as for Lopez, I thought he looked good. Not great. Some people said he looked great. I didn't think he looked great. I thought he looked pretty good. And... uh He's been out for a while, so I'll, I'll, I'll cut him some slack there. But he's slated to return tentatively on December 10th at Madison Square Garden. Opponent unknown at this time. Hopefully it's a bigger fight than Pedro Campa. August 20, WBO featherweight champion Emmanuel Navarrete took on Eduardo Baez. Scored a fourth round TKO with a body shot. And um, the scores going into that last round were sort of all over, into that fifth round were, were all over the place. And uh, Navarrete sealed the deal, closed the show with the TKO. He's pretty good. He's another one, though. I've got to get him in there with, with uh, bigger names. Maybe that's my rant for this time around. Like the, 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 the top dogs need to get in with better guys. How's that? That's my rant. August 20th also, we saw Sergey Lipinets score an eighth-round TKO over Omar Figueroa. Now, Lipinets was a replacement for Adrian Broner. This fight was supposed to be Broner versus Figueroa. Of course, Broner checked out about a week and a half before the fight, claiming mental health issues. And for... And I'll get into that in, in, in just a minute. But as far as the fight itself between Lipinets and Figueroa, Lipinets, of course, returning to 140 pounds. He was up at 147. He was stopped by Jerron Boots Ennis. And in his last fight, so he's dropped back down to 140, where he belongs. He that, That's his weight. He's, he's not a welterweight. And... To come in, it was it was a little bit strange. I mean, he came in as a late replacement. He was already scheduled on the card, and this is something that promoters will do quite often, and that is they will schedule a really good fighter on the undercard 
who is in the same weight class or very close to the same weight class as the main event fighters in the event that if someone has an injury or has to step aside and like in this case Broner did, then they can insert them and the show goes on and everybody makes money. Um, but this was strange in the sense that Lipinets moved up from the undercard to the main event and was favored over Figueroa. And I guess it's I guess that's what's what's rare to see for me is usually the guy they bring up as the replacement would be the underdog, but they they bring Lipinets up from the undercard and he he was the favorite. And he he showed why because it was a it was a decent fight. It was a lot of action on the inside. Both of these guys are inside fighters, but Figueroa just he just didn't have it. I mean, Lipinets looked really good. He was really loading up with some shots and they took their toll and by the eighth round, um, the Figueroa's corner had seen enough and the fight was stopped. Now, as for Broner with his mental health issues, now, are, are mental health issues real? Well, yeah, absolutely they are and boxers deal with uh, mental health issues, you know, not people who aren't boxers deal with mental health issues issues so yeah of course there it's real depression's real it can be debilitating it can be paralyzing it it can take you to a dark place where you just can't execute your daily activities in the same way that you would otherwise and a boxing ring's really not a place for someone who's not 100% focused with positivity so, if you ask the question, is, is mental, are mental health issues real? Yes, yes, absolutely, I believe that. Now, do I believe some of these claims by boxers are legit? Because this is becoming sort of a popular, eh, popular is probably not the right word, but this is becoming a popular thing with certain, certain fighters are, are bowing out of fights claiming mental health issues. So do I believe that some of these claims are legit? Absolutely, I do. Do I believe that all of these claims are legit? No, I don't. And I'm not going to sit here and try to sift through who I believe's telling the truth and who's not. But let me just say for some, it's become a convenient excuse. You know, you can't make weight, claim mental health. You're having trouble in camp, claim mental health. You're worried about a drug test. Claim mental health. So these are ways that you can sort of avoid scrutiny. You can hide behind it when it's not true, but that doesn't mean that sometimes it, it it's not true. Sometimes it is. It's a real thing, and sometimes it has to be... It has to always be dealt with as a real thing, but I don't... Let me try to sum it up this way. It always has to be dealt with as a real thing, but I don't believe it's always a real thing. And that's... I'll leave it there before I get myself in trouble. Now, also, because we're talking about August 20th, earlier in the day, August 20th was the big one, and that was the heavyweight titles were on the line with Alexander Usyk. He scored the big victory back in September as a 2-1 to underdog to lift the titles from Anthony Joshua by unanimous decision. So here we are 11 months later. Now Joshua came into the fight as a 2-1 to underdog, so the, the roles had kind of reversed. Joshua's the challenger now. Joshua's the 2-1 to underdog. And 
He's, of course, he's trying to regain his belts. And I wouldn't say the fight was unforgettable, but it was a very good fight. And it was similar to the first fight in the sense that it was a bit of a chess match and there were momentum swings back and forth. But this time, I think the difference was Joshua committed to going to the body a lot more than he did in the first fight. And that's probably the result of his work with the new trainer, Robert Garcia. Now, he's Garcia is one of the best in the business as far as trainers go, that's for sure. It was a good fight. It was a lot of back and forth. And Joshua had a really big ninth round. He scored some some big body shots that clearly shook Usyk. And it looked like Joshua might be able to close the deal or at least win the last few rounds to take the decision. But Usyk's no ordinary fighter. Despite giving up three inches in height and four inches in reach, Usyk came out in the 10th round and reestablished his dominance and went on to get a split decision to retain the WBA, WBO, and IBF titles and Ring Magazine uh, belt, by the way, which was up for grabs after Tyson Fury claimed retirement recently. Now, of course, he still has his WBC title, so... Are you really retired when you're still holding on to that belt? So I, I don't know. That's that's another story in and of itself. But as for Usyk, in my opinion, in my opinion, Usyk's an all-time great. I mean, he, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. In my opinion, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what happens going forward. I mean, this guy's Olympic gold medalist. He was the undisputed cruiserweight champion. Beat a lot of good fighters to get there, by the way. Three-belt heavyweight champion. He's undefeated. He's extremely intelligent in the ring. Now, he's only 20-0, and 0, but he's faced very talented. Like I said, he's faced a very talented bunch of fighters on the way to the top. And almost all the time, almost always when he's taken on these top fighters, it's on their home turf. So, yeah, Hall of Fame, no doubt for me. And... He's defending those titles while his country, Ukraine, he's, he's defending those titles while his country is under siege and locked in a war with one of the world's superpowers. So this guy's total badass. Talking about Alexander Usyk. Now, will he fight Fury for undisputed at heavyweight? Who knows? Uh, I've given up predicting what Fury will do. You know, can he beat Fury? I don't know the answer to that one either, but it wouldn't shock me. Fury, I'm pretty sure Fury would be favored in that fight. But anyone who doubts the abilities of Usyk, they're crazy if you ask me. Now, as for Joshua, he made $60 million for the fight, and he walked out of the ring with his health. So I'm not going to worry too much about him. I think he's going to be okay. And he's still marketable. He's still popular. He's still in his prime. You know, But he's come up on the short end of things. Now, twice against Usyk. So he needs to regroup, refocus, and maybe he can get back to the top. Now, a fight between Joshua and Tyson Fury still does monster business. Not just in the UK and for the, for the boxing fans in the UK, but also boxing fans the world over. And that's still a really big fight. And I'm not sure if Joshua's going to stay with Robert Garcia or not. Um, Joshua's a good fighter and Garcia's a good trainer. It's just an, it's an odd pairing. Garcia usually has fighters in the lighter weight classes and he's based in California. 
Joshua's based in England. It's, uh, I don't know. It's a, I, I, just, I don't know if that's going to work or not, especially coming off of a loss for Joshua. Now, if, if Joshua would have had a, a big win and a knockout, maybe you see these two staying together. I just, I don't know going forward if that's going to be, uh, if that's going to be a pairing that we see together in the ring. In the co-main, co-main event of the Usyk-Joshua uh, fight, the was a really good heavyweight scrap between uh, a couple undefeated guys. Croatia's Filip Hergovic, he scored a unanimous decision over China's Zili Zhang. It was a really, like I said, it was a really good heavyweight scrap. Hergovic is a top contender on the rise, but many people, myself included, thought that Zhang should have gotten the nod. So, but you you could argue who you thought won the fight. It was a good fight, but both of these guys really raised their stock, in my opinion, after a good, that's a good heavyweight battle. That's a, that's the kind of undercard fight you like to see for a big uh, heavyweight title fight. Saturday, August 27th was a good, speaking of good fights, it was a good crossroads 50-50 type fight between two former lightweight champions who are now competing at 140 pounds. And that's uh, that was between Jose Pedraza and Richard Comey. And uh, the winner was, was going to take a big step forward and the loser was going to take a big step back. Well, neither fighter stepped forward or back because the fight ended in a split draw. And it was a good fight. I mean, they're two good dudes. Hopefully, they both get a, a good fight and a good payday moving forward. You know, two two pretty good guys, two good boxers. And uh, so, look forward to seeing them both in the ring. Neither one of them embarrassed themselves. They fought a really good fight. Now, also on the undercard, the real big baby, Jared Anderson, he scored a second-round knockout in his fight. He is probably or projected to be uh, the future of the heavyweight division, at least one of the top players in the future. Because here's a guy that's uh, undefeated. I think he is 12-0 now, and all knockouts. He's he's a good fighter. He's tall, athletic. He's good on the mic, good gift to gab. And he's, uh, he's building his name and building some popularity. Now, speaking of American heavyweights, Jared Anderson's from Ohio, by the way. But speaking of American heavyweights, the former U.S. Olympian silver medalist Richard Torres had his third pro bout. He's 3-0 and now after it, it took him just 44 seconds to knock out Marco Antonio Canedo. Whew. This fight here, I, I tell you... It was scary. It was a scary knock. I like knockouts as much as the next guy. Don't get me wrong, but this fight should have never happened. I mean, I, I don't know who the matchmaker was on this fight. I mean, top rank. They know what they're doing as far as bringing guys along, and they they match guys right. But this was not the case. This was a dangerous mismatch. If you haven't seen it, uh, you can you can pull it up and and watch. It was just a a brutal knockout, and. Uh, Canedo, uh, he didn't belong in that ring with Torres. And 
it really showed and, and I hope he's okay. He was he was really, really struggling after that knockout and I was of course sent sent to the hospital for observation afterwards. So hopefully things are okay with him. But those those aren't the kind of fights that I like to see. I like knockouts, but not not mismatched brutal knockouts like that. That guy had no business being in there. So that's looking back and now looking ahead September 4th, Sunday, September 4th. Yeah, I said Sunday, September 4th. Uh, the former heavyweight champion Andy Ruiz will take on, I, I, I say 43-year-old Luis Ortiz, but, you know, I was talking to Rick Glazer the other day, and I, I heard him say that he thinks, and he's not kidding, he's serious, he thinks Luis Ortiz is 53 years old. Now, a lot of times, guys come from, these Latin countries where it's hard to verify their age properly. He says that uh, he's done business with trainers and and people in certain camps that have gone to Cuba for for training with with amateurs and whatnot, and to, you know for either Eastern European countries or uh, Canadians, whatever. They've gone there and. They're insistent upon the fact that Luis Ortiz is much older than 43 years old. I tell you what, if he's older than 43, I get I got to give him a lot of credit because he's still a really solid fighter. I mean, he was he was stopped twice by Deontay Wilder, but you know, other than Tyson Fury, Wilder stopped everybody, and he made a good accounting of himself in those fights. And outside of those two Wilder fights, he's he's been great. And Ruiz, on the other hand, now here's a guy, his story, he he took the fight against Joshua when he won the heavyweight title, he took the fight against Joshua on three weeks notice, and he was able to come up off the deck, he was knocked down, he got up, he scored a knockout against Joshua. That's great. They had a rematch, and Ruiz decided that he was going to come in for the rematch, out of shape, and he paid for it, and... I just I don't know if I can excuse that because you're the heavyweight champion and you don't care enough about those belts to get yourself in fighting shape. He was in better shape when he took the fight on three weeks notice than he was for the rematch when he had a full nine-week camp. So I'm not sure. It looks like Ruiz is in shape this time around and he is favored over Ortiz. But... Um, it wouldn't shock me at all if Luis Ortiz won that fight. And that's a Fox pay-per-view, by the way. So, another pay-per-view that doesn't belong on pay-per-view. I and mean, so much for... Now they're not the only ones, but so much for PBC saying pay-per-view was dead. And they were going to have all these fights on free network TV. Which, when they started out, they did. They, they had a $500 million... A basket of money to start with through a hedge fund and they were able to make time buys on network television they were on ABC NBC CBS Fox uh, some uh, cable networks and whatnot so they were able to buy time on there but when the money dwindled down the the business model changed and so now you don't see them on network TV as much I mean they, you'll still see PBC on Fox, you'll still see PBC on Showtime, which is pay cable, but uh, 
also a lot of their bigger fights are pay-per-views and this one really doesn't belong on pay-per-view if you ask me but there you go that's what we got and also they've got another one coming up we mentioned Deontay Wilder a moment ago his fight with Robert Hellenius is coming up in October that's also a pay-per-view it's another fight that does not belong on pay-per-view but hey business is business you know and Something's something's worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it. You know, no more, no less. That's what it's worth. So if people are willing to buy that, then that's what it's worth. September 10th on ESPN Plus. It's kind of a shame. Somebody said to me the other day, it's a shame that this one's not on the regular ESPN because it would get more eyeballs. ESPN Plus September 10th has a huge day for women's boxing with two grudge matches with big implications and so much on the line. First, there's the 130-pound unification with three belts on the line between Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner. And there's a lot of bad blood, a lot of trash talk between these two. Two really good fighters. And I'm not sure who's going to win that one. But uh, I'm expecting a great fight. And in the main event, two-time Gold medalist Clarissa Shields takes on Great Britain's Savannah Marshall, both undefeated. Now, Marshall has a victory over Shields in the amateurs, and I believe that was almost 10 years ago or about 10 years ago. And like I said, they're both undefeated. They've sort of been circling each other for a while here. A lot of trash talk, a lot of back and forth. And the thing about both of these fights, the thing about both of these fights is barring a draw, the two losers of these fights are going to have to eat their words. And I don't know which two that'll be. Now, on paper, uh, these are toss-up fights, I guess. I mean, I would think so. I don't know exactly what the odds are, but I would imagine they are close to evenly matched fights. So, I guess for the record, I, I like Mayer and Shields, but not by much. I like Mayer over Baumgartner and, and Shields over Marshall, but not by much, and it wouldn't shock me one bit if I was wrong on both of those. Just as a side note here on September 10th, I have a wedding to attend. Our nephew's wedding will be on September 10th, so my mobile phone will be fully charged, and hopefully uh, I'll get to see both. <laughs> I know I'm going to see one. Uh, I don't want to say which one, but I know I'm going to see one. I hope I get to see both. I hope I get to see the great fights, and I hope I get to see the wedding. Whew. Who gets married during boxing season? September 17th, the Zone Pay-Per-View presents the big one. This is number three between the undisputed super middleweight champion Canelo Alvarez. And Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. Now talk about bad blood. This is it. So their first fight back in 2017 was uh, was scored a draw. Despite the fact that in the court of public opinion, most people, almost everyone, acknowledged that Golovkin was the winner. But it was scored a draw. So they had a second fight. And Canelo squeaked out a razor-thin decision. I personally had the second fighter draw, but I hadn't 
no arguments with it. I mean, a lot of those rounds were close and, you know, could have gone either way. So I have no argument with Canelo being declared the winner. It was razor thin, like I said. So that leaves us here to settle the score once and for all because we've got a draw and we've got a close win for Canelo. And here we go with Canelo. Now, Canelo, despite losing his last fight versus the light heavyweight champion, Dimitri Bivol, despite losing that fight because he moved up in attempt to get Bivol's WBA light heavyweight belt, uh, he held on to his super middleweight belts because the fight was contested at light heavyweight. So that being said, Canelo's still the undisputed super middleweight champion. Now Golovkin had a long reign as middleweight champion. He scored knockout after knockout when he was in his prime. But he's 40 years old now, and Canelo's much younger. Um, not many people are giving Triple G a shot here. I mean, you have to favor Canelo. Canelo's favorite, and, and you can't argue that, okay? But I'm fired up for this one, and I'm curious to see if Golovkin can turn back the clock and make a great fight out of it. I mean, despite the fact, like I said, he's 40 years old. One thing for sure, both of these guys have iron chins. Anyone who can go 24 total rounds with either one of these guys without hitting the canvas certainly has my respect. I mean, these guys are both killers, and they've gone 12 rounds twice. That's 24, I believe. 24 rounds, and both have been able to take the other's shots and best best shots and punches. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in this one. I'm I'm up for it. So this episode it went a bit long. Now I'm 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 thinking this is probably a good place to wrap it up right here. But let me remind you about the links to all of my social media. They can be found on our website. The website is hbombboxing.com. That's hbombboxing.com. And on the website, you'll find the links for the for the podcast. The well, you'll find the links to all my social media on the website. As far as once you're on uh, Facebook, you you'll see the the links for the podcast and the. I I also put weekly updates on Facebook, which you know every week I try to put out. Here's who's fighting. Here's what time it is. Here's what. Here's what network it's on. Uh, here's the records. Here's their weights. Here's who's favored. Uh, whatever. Everything I can gather about these fights, I've been putting on. But I'm going to be honest with you. I may stop doing it because I'm not getting a lot of traffic. I'm not getting a lot of. You know, I get a couple people say, "Hey, thanks for the update" or something like that. But I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to create some banter and some back and forth, and you know, just sort of get this thing moving and I really I'm going to be honest with you I just don't feel like I'm getting a lot of traffic through that and speaking of which talk about uh, lack of traffic um, Twitter I love I love going on Twitter you know during the fights now of course I'm paying attention to the fights more than the, the social media but you know I, I like to between rounds or whatever I'll check in to see what other people are saying maybe I'll, I'll chime in with a comment here or there and just to see how other people maybe are scoring the fight or you know, hear what some of the other fighters have to say about about what's going on if they chime in. So I really like that. But uh, I think I'm being shadow banned or something on Twitter because 
I could say the most poignant thing on Twitter and get almost no response from anyone, and then somebody else will say something like, um, hey, I just, uh, I just had a peanut butter sandwich for lunch, and 200 people will respond. And I don't know why that infuriates me, but it does. Uh, I can't figure it out. So, well, if, for anyone having trouble locating the podcast, let me just uh, I'll get off my soapbox on that. Anyone having trouble locating the podcast, a simple Google search or, or internet uh, search engine search, of you just put in H-bomb boxing and that'll get you there. And if you have Alexa, now obviously you're listening now, so you found the podcast, so you, you know how to find the podcast. But if you have Alexa, and this is pretty cool because I didn't realize this tool four or five months ago. If you have Alexa, you can say, Alexa, play the H-bomb boxing report. And I had that through my TV. I was just messing around with it, trying to, trying to, I didn't realize I had, a, I had a fire stick and I didn't realize that meant I also had Alexa. So, <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm pathetic. But, so I got a fire stick and I didn't realize that meant I also have Alexa. So, I found out I did, and, and I, I, you know, I didn't know what to ask. I was like, hey, what's the weather like or something, you know, because I couldn't think of anything good to ask. And then just out of the blue, I said, let me, let me try this. I said, Alexa, play the H-Bomb Boxing Report, and bam, just like that, podcast comes right through the TV, so it's really cool. All right, I think that's a good place to end it right there. As always, I just want to thank you so much for hanging out with me. I always appreciate the support. And until next time, let me leave you with this. In life, it's not where you are. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're with that matters. Spend more time with the people you love. Watch more boxing. And we'll do it again next time on the H-Bomb Boxing Report. So long, everybody. <laughs>